Hello, Spotlight friends. Welcome to another episode of Ave Spotlight, where I am having the honor of speaking with Deacon Harold, the author of Our Life of Service, as well as a really awesome speaker and traveler and deacon and just like all around great guy. So we're so excited to have you with us, Deacon Harold. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Chanel, for having me. It really is a blessing to be with you. Yes. Oh my gosh. Well, we're so excited to have you. I would love for everyone that is listening to know more about you. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Sure. I was originally born in Barbados in the West Indies. We are first generation to come to the United States. So I came with my mom and my brother and my grandmother. My mom was the first Catholic in our family. She was a Methodist and she converted when she was a teenager. And I am the oldest child of her four children. And so I'm actually the first baptized as Catholic in the history of our family. And so we we came to the United States, grew up in the great state of New Jersey, (laughs) Jersey, (laughs) and went to Catholic schools my whole life, grade school, high school, college and graduate school, at Catholic institutions. So the faith has always been an important part of my life. I now live in Portland, Oregon. I'm married to my lovely wife, Colleen. We have four amazing children. I'm a deacon. I've been ordained for 19 years, and I serve in the Archdiocese of Portland in Oregon at Immaculate Heart Catholic Church, which is an inner city parish. Mm. It's in the hood, <laughs> for, for sure. <laughs> um, but it's very rich, culturally diverse parish with half the parish is Vietnamese, the other half for Africans and Filipinos and a bunch of other folks. I have a very vibrant apostolate. You know, I travel around the world speaking. Before COVID, I was doing about 200,000 miles a year. Wow. And not doing nearly that much now because I'm still not doing any international. I think the earliest is going to be May before I'm able to go overseas again, just because of scheduling and and COVID and all that kind of stuff. So but I'm looking to get back out there. And I'm also an author. And the book that we're looking at today is my fifth book. And I'm working on my sixth book right now. Oh my gosh. Well, thank you for squeezing us in. I'm also wondering, when do you sleep, Deacon Harold? Because <laughs> it's like, well, you know, Chanel, that's a good question because I'm one of those people that don't require a lot of sleep. Ah, I think okay. I'm blessed that way. I see. And I'm a workaholic. But the biggest thing, Chanel, to be honest with you, I'm not a big television watcher. I mean, mm. to be honest with you, this last year, when I was home because of COVID, I wasn't traveling. That's the most television I've ever watched, to, wow. to be honest with you. I mean, because I, mean, I was home, I'm like, what else am I going to do? But it was very interesting, you know, looking at television again after not watching for so long. I am just amazed. I mean, I looked at your website. I've read your book. I've shared it with a friend. And I'm so excited for everything you have coming out moving forward. I would love for you to share a little bit about your new book, Our Life of Service. And I would also love to hear a little bit about your journey to become a deacon. I mean, your whole familial journey is just so intriguing. I mean, my family is actually from Antigua. And yeah, and my dad moved over here. Um, And so my little sister and I are like the first and the rest of my family, they're like all from Antigua. So we're like the first generation of people in America. Um, When my dad moved here and started working when he was a teenager to send money back and forth. So it's so interesting, like how that works out, you know, how, um, how God really connects. So I would love to hear about your, you know, your life and how you became a deacon and what that journey looked like and a little bit about your new book. Sure. 
So I was one of those kids that always enjoyed going to church. In, in fact, I remember because my father was not a person of faith at all. So my father never went to church with us. But my mom, oh my goodness, she, as far as I'm concerned, she's a saint. God rest her soul. She, I mean, she loved her faith. And so when she took us to church, I would sit on the end by the pew right along the aisle. My mom would stand next to me and then my siblings would be on the other side of my mom because they were typical kids throwing Cheerios at each other, that mm. kind of stuff. <laughs> but I was laser focused on what was going on. So my mom wanted me you know, to be separate so I could focus on the mass. So I remember being nine years old and looking at the altar thinking there's something really cool going on up there. Wow. I'm not exactly sure what it is, but I like it. You know, And so I started serving mass and I just, I mean, I loved, even to this day, you know, I get almost like childlike when I walk up that aisle to proceed up the, the aisle for mass. I just, I just get that childlike love. I've always had that. And so I thought God was calling me to be a priest. And so I went to high school and I went to a St. Benedict's preparatory school in Newark, New Jersey, run by Benedictine monks. And they had a come and see program, which I did all four years. Wow. And so I went to college and graduated from college, worked for a year and then joined the monastery. Wow. And I was a Benedictine. So I thought, oh, I'm going to be a monk. But it didn't work out. <laughs> I left the monastery. But I still had a, a pull, a tug, you know. And when I got to Oregon, I discovered the diaconate and was the youngest deacon ever ordained. I was ordained when I, I just turned 36. And I said, been ordained for 19 years. And, and when I was home for COVID, I always wanted to write something about the diaconate. And mm. so obviously I had time to think about that more deeply and organize my thoughts. And, and out came this book, Our Life of Service. And it's focusing on the third tier of diaconal ministry. So typically you hear word, altar, and charity as the three kind of munis, which is the functions, tasks, and duties of the deacon. But I like the Latin better from the Vatican documents, docendi, santificandi, regendi, teaching, sanctifying, and leading. So it's Ooh. that third tier, that leading ministry. And so basically the book is in three parts, Chanel. The first part talks about what is diaconal service? What is the spirituality of diaconal service? So for example, you're working as a visit to Paul or your parish. You're a lay person. You're working with a deacon. What's the difference? You're both doing the same thing, right? I mean, so what difference does it? So that's what I want to ah, talk about. I see. What diaconal spirituality looks like. The second part is how does that spirituality look like working in a parish? And the third part is simply, what does it look like outside of the parish? Because that's that whole sphere of diaconal ministry. Because remember, Stephen, Lawrence, Francis of Assisi, Ephraim, those guys didn't die in parishes. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> they, they, they died yeah. outside of parishes doing the work, you know? So because mm. a deacon is a minister of evangelization, you know, we're messengers of the good news of Jesus Christ, the life-changing encounter with Jesus Christ. And that symbolizes the mass Notice that even when, whenever the Pope says Mass, a deacon reads the gospel mm. because that shows at Mass what his configuration to the bishop and assisting with that evangelizing ministry. So that's what this book about, that, that third tier of, of service, evangelization, and leadership. Wow, that is so amazing. I, I am always, I mean, everything about the clergy is amazing and so interesting. Um, and I remember when I first started my studies at Ave Maria, prior to that, I'd went to, you know, a Catholic primary school, but I was so little and I was definitely like your siblings. I just wanted to 
hang out. <laughs> so I wasn't really paying much attention. But I remember when I actually started paying attention in my schooling and just learning about all the different, you know, pastoral responsibilities and and I started meeting like cool deacons myself, right? And deacons in my own life that I, you know, had been able to share my life with and that would walk with me in my faith navigating as like the only Catholic in my family. And I just think it's so cool, like the responsibility that y'all have to be, to be like fathers to a parish, but in a different way than a priest is, but in also such a significant way. Um, And it's so interesting because so many of the deacons that I, you know, consider myself very close to and their families, like, and their wives and their children, it's so interesting because they were able to balance that with wives and children and still love myself and my peers in like such a dynamic way. It was so cool. I would love to know, what do you love about that level of being able to, you know, kind of love your parishioners and the people you encounter in that way? I know with, you know, obviously with being a deacon, it must be like a different way than just like a regular person kind of walking with someone. Yeah, that's a great question. So the way I describe it is like in the parish, the chief, the shepherd is the priest, mm-hmm. right? He's the shepherd of the flock and the deacon's like the sheepdog. Mm. <laughs> the, the sheepdog kind of gathers the people around and brings them to the healing ministry of the priest, you know? So that, wow. that's really our job. And if you look at biblically, the uh, old Testament, you know, there were the high priests, right? Which are the bishops today. Then you had the, the priests with the Kohen because you had to be a son in order to be a priest. And then you had the Levites. Now, there was the tribe of Levi, which is the priestly tribe. But in within the tribe of Levi, you had the, the high priest, the priest, and the Levites. And the Levites were the deacons. So very clear in the Pentateuch that the Levites did not have the same function and role as the priests mm-hmm. or the high priests. Mm-hmm. They were to assist, right? And so in Acts chapter 6, we see that with the ministry of the first seven deacons that were ordained for ministry of service. Again, not they're not priests, they're not bishops. It's a sacramentalized permanent sign and witness of the service ministry of Christ. Wonderful. You see, so, so the way we get to be in people's lives, you know, you know, people think, oh, you're an EWTN or you travel all over the world and, you know, all this stuff. They think that's what the best part of being a deacon is like. No, it's when you go to the children's hospital across the street from your parish and a kid is getting a cancer treatment and the kid's like six years old and and the kid's screaming and the parents are crying and you're there being the church for them in that Mm. moment of pain. It's when a woman's husband dies and she comes to the parish and father's not there. And, and she asks you to come and be with her as they, you know, move her husband's body and and do us. So especially when you go to a prison, you know, you're seeing a kid who's 16 years old who, had no bullets in the gun, but he robbed the store because he was trying to get money for his mother's medication, you know, and, and he just got in the system and and uh, and you're there again, being that sign and that witness in the, in the church for him in, in, in those moments. Those, I think, are the best experiences of what it means to be a deacon. This episode is brought to you by Hallow, the number one Catholic app for prayer, meditation, music and more. 
Hallow features litanies, novenas, and other challenges to get you praying more often and connect with your community. It also features Bible stories and guest sessions from well-known Catholic speakers like Father Mike Schmitz, Bishop Barron, Jonathan Rumi from Chosen, Dr. Scott Hahn, and Father Mark Mary. Hallow is an amazing resource for any Catholic looking to dive deeper into their prayer life, find more peace, and ultimately grow closer to God. Make sure to check out Hallow at hollow.com slash Ave Spotlight. Hollow.com slash Ave Spotlight. I really will speak to the power of just being present. You know, there's a real like, there's a real power in just being, you don't even have to do anything, but just being with the people of your parish and the people that you encounter. That for me was one of the most significant things to just have so many of my deacon friends that I'm still friends with from Ave Maria, just be present to me as I was navigating what being Catholic is and navigating it in my own family and, you know, then living a Catholic life outside of college. It was very challenging. And just, you know, having someone that could sit with me, offer me resources, but then also just sit with me and listen to me talk <laughs> for like an hour about how confused I was just so be so gentle and kind and invite me to family dinners. And I just felt like I was a part of something, you know, and I felt like I was, you know, witnessing the church in action, family and care and having fun, going to sports games, like just having so much fun. And yeah, and I just really appreciate it. So thank you for saying yes to God. I know that it comes with its fair share, I'm sure of challenges, but we're all really grateful for your yes. So Thank you for that. And thank you for sharing about that. Yes. And I would love to ask you as our final round out question, we were saying a little bit before, you know, there's a rarity of talking to other black Catholics on platforms like this. And as a black Catholic, you know, which we don't see a lot of, thankfully now there's a lot more, um, you know, spotlights being put on black Catholics across the country. You have a unique opportunity to reach people in the church that otherwise probably wouldn't be reached to. And what would you say as like a nod of encouragement to other Black Catholics? I know, especially, you know, in the past year, past two years, there's been a fair share of challenges with Black Catholics feeling like they have a place in the church and really feeling seen. And I would just love to know what kind of advice that you would have, encouragement that you would give. Yeah. So what I would do is look at the lives of those American Black Catholics who are on their way to sainthood right mm, now, right? Yes. They're somewhere along the road to sainthood. And of course, just speaking me personally, because I wrote a book about this guy's father, Augustus Tolton. You know, uh, here's a guy who was a slave who became the first Black priest. And what's, what's interesting is, is all the racism he had to deal with at such a deep and intense level even being rejected by every seminary in the United States, rejected because he was black. And so when, no, when everybody else rejected him, the Vatican took him and trained him to be a priest, but then sent him back to the United States, you know, and he served in the same town where he experienced so much rejection and ended up leaving Quincy, Illinois and dying in Chicago. And even criticism from priests after he was ordained a priest, he was criticized by, by other priests. It's like, why did he stay Catholic? <laughs> Why? I mean, if he yeah. went off to church, nobody would have said, oh, well, you know, yeah, well, yeah, I can see why he left, you know, mm -hmm. but why did he stay? Mm -hmm. Because Father Tolton recognized, I think so many people fail to appreciate that what the church teaches 
is actually true and good and beautiful, despite the people in the church who are all sinners in need of God's mercy. You know, and, and my my experience has been, you know, I've had some overt things happen. I mean, I was moving. It was the last night of a parish mission. I was moving my stuff into my car, yeah, moving my CDs and stuff like that from boxes and suitcases into my car. And someone called the police because they thought they saw some suspicious activity at the church. <laughs> you know? ah, and so the, and I was a cop. I was in law enforcement for 23 years. Oh, <laughs> yeah. The officer came in. And he goes like, hey, how you doing? Like, hey, how you doing? He goes, what are you doing? I said, oh, I'm just, there's my poster on the door. I was given the mission and now I'm, I'm going to the airport, just packing up my stuff. And and he, he asked for ID. And when he asked for ID, I'm like, uh-oh, somebody called him. Mm. <laughs> you know? So I called the pastor. Oh, he was mad. He was livid. That So he was so embarrassed. But things like that still happen. So don't get discouraged because people, they're, they're, they're ignorant. One, one guy called me from Indianapolis. What can we do in our, the way he described it, country club, white church? I said, okay, do you have images of any people of color, saints of color? St. Mm-hmm. Martin de Porres, St. Terry Catequitha, St. Juan Diego. Even though the, the parish may be St. Catherine of Siena, whatever. Imagine you're a little five-year-old child walking in and see a picture of Martin de Porres on the wall. So, mommy, who's that? Or say Josephine Bikita. Who's that? Oh, that's Josephine. She's an amazing saint in the church. Wow, she's a saint? And, and now, see, the now <laughs> the eyes open. Mm. Wait a minute. They're not all these white statue, lily white. I mean, there's actual saints of color who've done amazing things and have gifted the church with their lives that the church recognized the power of their witness and, and, and declared them saints to appreciate the fact that we can be witnesses of God's love to the world by being who God created us to be, by mm-hmm. sharing the gifts as, as people of color, you know, the riches and the vibrancy, the dynamism. There's some amazing documents that come out from the church over the years in the United States, what we have seen and heard. The latest one that came out in 2019 from the U.S. Catholic bishops, open wide your hearts, all dealing with racism. Have a study group, have some food. If you don't have any people of color in your parish, invite some people from another parish. Mm. And sit down and work through those documents together, like once a month or twice a month. And then go like adoration for 15 minutes afterward. Th- that kind of stuff. That's what's going to make the difference. We just have to want it, you know, mm. and don't give up hope. And just read the, the lives of these amazing saints to be just to see how they endured during their time when it was much, much worse, where mm. there was laws that were actually in place. And despite all of that, the power of their love and the witness of their lives shone forth, even in times like that. Mm. Wow. What a word. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. I would love to know where we can find more information about what you're up to um, and just kind of follow your journey and order your books and everything. Where can we find more information about you? Yeah, just I made it real easy. DeaconHarold.com. I love <laughs> that. So easy. So easy. And, and the website has everything there. It's very easy to navigate all my social media at the bottom of every page. So I'm on Instagram and Facebook and LinkedIn and I'm not on TikTok. I ain't doing that. But I was like, okay, I was like, <laughs> yeah. I think you're okay with what you have. Yeah, it's like TikTok is a wormhole. So that's, <laughs> that's amazing. So at the end of every one of our episodes, we like to ask each guest about something that brings them hope. If you need some time to think about it, I can go first. Otherwise, if you're ready, you can go. How are you feeling? No, I'm good. Okay. So for hope for me, I'm looking at this time of COVID-19 as a spiritual stop sign. 
You know, it, literally this, this, this virus has shut the world down and now things are starting to open up again. But I mean, I, I think God allowed this as a time of really a time of introspection, a stop sign. We get to a stop sign, you're supposed to stop your car. You look both ways and then you go. So I think the spiritual stop sign, God said, okay, stop, slow down. Take a look. What have I done in my life to get me to the point where I'm right now? And where am I going? What does my future look like with Christ? Is this an opportunity to pray more? Is this an opportunity to strengthen my relationship with my spouse? Like, for example, my kids were home. We have at that time, two kids in college. Now we have now one graduate. Now we have two more kids in college, but they were home for a whole year, you know? And so to get to know our children again, but this time as adults, so a, I think there's a lot of hope out there now, especially on the other side of, of COVID-19. And I just think of the words that John Paul II spoke when he walked out on the balcony when he was elected Pope in 1978, right? Be not afraid. <laughs> mm. Be not afraid. And scripture that comes to mind is 1 John 4.16. God is love, and he who lives in love lives in God, and God lives in him. This beautiful relationship, this beautiful exchange of love and life and intimacy and communion with the Lord. And John goes on to say in verse 19, perfect love casts out all fear. So the hope is, is that we learn to love more than be afraid. Mm, that's a word to bring into the new year. Oh my gosh. And I will be praying with that and sitting with that for sure. Something that brings me hope is my mom just had surgery on her back and it went well which was great. And we're hoping for everyone listening, if you could say a prayer, she had, she had to get a biopsy. So we're hoping to get those results back and for them to be clear and for her to be good to go. But something that brings me hope is that it went well, her initial surgery, and that she'll be home for the next like five days, which she works at a hospital as a nurse practitioner. So especially right now, she's like not home a lot. So it's great to have her home. And, you know, she is a West Indian mom. So it's all cleaning and cooking all the time. So I know about that. (laughs) Yeah. You know, it's like, I have to tell her to like, mommy, relax. So my little sister is home as well. And so we're all getting to be with mommy and just like love on her and be around her and et cetera. So, so I'm hopeful that we'll continue to get to spend good time together and mommy will learn to relax, except, you know, I guess in West Indian world, I don't even think they know what that means. So we'll see. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we'll, true. yeah, so we'll so see true. how that goes, but I'm hopeful for that. And I'm really grateful for this conversation and that you took time out of your evening to talk with me. I can't wait till people hear this. Thank you so much, Deacon Harold. You're most welcome. Thank you for having me, Chanel. Appreciate it very much. I'll keep your mom in my prayers. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you guys for listening and thank you so much to Deacon Burke for being our guest. Please make sure to check out our next episode where I'll be talking to Steve Karekis from scapulars.com. I love talking to you guys each week and I'm really looking forward to you hearing next week's episode. In the meantime, please pray for me and I'll be praying for you. God bless. This show is a production of the Spoke Street Media Podcast Network. For more great podcasts, visit Spokestreet.com.